In the realm of true crime, every crime scene tells a story. Every story has its truths. These are the stories from inside the crime scene tape that separates fact from fiction. It was called the Ride Murder. It was one of the most sensational murder trials ever brought in Liberty County, Texas. This is a True Crime Reporter Extra from Dallas, Texas. Hello, I'm investigative reporter Robert Riggs with another story from inside the crime scene tape. Imagine the shock when a veteran law enforcement officer who spent 43 years hunting down criminals discovered that the trigger man in the ride murder was his uncle. Well, as a lawman, I mean, is this something that's kind of eaten at you uh, after all these years of enforcing the law and bringing people to justice? Yeah, yes, it does. From Because of the victims, you know, the, you get justice, hopefully, through the criminal justice system, but the family doesn't ever get any justice. They never have any peace because of that death. And this is one of the things that troubles me about this particular case is. Lewis Fawcett was a renowned fugitive hunter for the Texas prison system and served on task forces for the FBI and U.S. Marshal Service. As a kid, he heard stories that his uncle was a killer, so he recently started digging. My hobby is genealogy, and so I took an interest in this early on. And in 2001, I was in Liberty researching my family tree and, quite frankly, looking up my uncle. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to the people there in the library, and I heard a voice say, Sir, I remember this story. I, I was there. Well, that got my attention, and I turned, and it was a, a, an older lady. And she said, yes. She said, I, I went up to the jail when this happened. My class did. She said, I was 11 years old. Fawcett's search led him to a murder committed on February 12th of 1935. The bullet-riddled, partially clad body of an unidentified man was found in a muddy ditch 31 miles from the port of Houston. I want to know who this guy was. I want to get him returned to his family, or at least get some resolution. We can get a headstone for his grave because uh, it's important to me and it's important to the victims of crime to be able to have some resolution. The murder victim was a seaman without a name or birthplace. Stocky build between 28 and 30 years of age, 155 pounds, 5 feet 9 inches tall, a scar three-fourths of an inch long behind his right ear, a growth the size of a quarter located an inch above his forehead. Found in his underwear wearing a shirt, one glove, and a tie tightly drawn under his shirt into his mouth. His body smelled of liquor. Well, I, the fact they didn't know who he was was big. They actually took his body and laid it out, probably in the morgue, 
and people were able to come by and visit. And, and part of those people that came by and visit was a, a class of, of young people from the school. The death certificate ruled the cause of death as shot with a 32 caliber automatic handgun five times. Twice in the right side lower ribs, once in the right side shoulder blade, once in the right side of the neck, and once in the right temple by an unknown party or parties. According to the newspaper reports, again, his name was Mancuso, and I thought at first that was a first name, but apparently that's a last name. He originally came from Buenos Aires. Uh, the ship was flagged in Italy, and that's all that was ever learned about him. And that's all that the newspapers reported. The murder remained a mystery, a cold case for two years. In 1937, Richard Palmer summoned the Liberty County Sheriff to Austin, Texas. The 26-year-old Palmer was being held there on a life sentence for a similar ride murder of a Houston salesman. Palmer confessed to the murder of the unidentified man and named John Wesley Blackie Fawcett as his accomplice. Then 25-year-old Blackie Fawcett was the uncle of the lawman Louis Fawcett. Palmer said the victim was a seaman named Mancuso. They met him at a Houston dice game. He appeared to have some money. The fact that they met him, they put him in a car. I think they recruited this female, obviously, to have a female uh, involved with them. Right. And she was young. She was in her early 20s, and so were they, for that matter. But they met. They bought alcohol. They bought a lot of alcohol. And they began to drive around, drinking and partying and talking and visiting. Palmer told the sheriff that they plied the seamen with whiskey as they drove around. A witness told police that a mystery woman with red hair was in the back seat, wrapped in a quilt, beside a man who was, quote, beastly drunk or dead. Officers found the mystery woman, 22-year-old Mrs. Nellie Scoville in Oklahoma, and arrested her for murder. They also arrested Palmer and Blackie Fawcett for murder. The pair became the subject of morbid school field trips to the county jail. And they came in and they actually saw my uncle and they saw the, the Palmer guy. And Palmer was apparently an artist, prison art. They do a lot of art. And I don't know if he actually generated the work, but according to a witness that I, that I met early on in my genealogy research, uh, he did draw, and he had drawn two pictures, and she had those pictures, and my uncle had signed it, and the, and Palmer had signed it, and she was able to provide me with a copy. Palmer's murder trial got off to a rocky start when someone cried out that Palmer was trying to escape. Texas Rangers pulled their guns. Deputies rushed to the exits. Officers crashed into the sheriff's office, only to find Palmer seated calmly in a chair facing his attorney. Nellie Scoville, the mystery woman, was the star witness in Palmer's murder trial. A hush fell over the packed courtroom as she gave a gruesome description of how she accompanied Palmer and Fawcett on the death ride and saw them throw the body out of the car. She claimed Fawcett was the trigger man. But in a moment of courtroom theater, Fawcett's defense attorney, Price Daniel, an up-and-coming politician, summoned a slender, dark-haired man before the witness stand. Price Daniel asked Schofield to identify the man. She testified that he was Blackie Fawcett, 
but he was a ringer. Well, my uncle had jet black hair, and thus they called him Blackie. So they brought in a guy that uh, was a wholesale grocer, and the female picked him out as one of the killers. And, of course, that got my uncle off. Palmer was found guilty and received a life sentence for murder. When we come back, prosecutors keep trying to send Blackie Fawcett to the electric chair. I'll be back after this break. Hello, this is Robert, and I want to ask a small favor. Will you please tell your friends who love true crime to follow the True Crime Reporter podcast? As you know, it's one of the few podcasts where you can hear raw, unfiltered accounts from law enforcement experts, victims, and even convicted criminals. And please sign up for my free newsletter. The form is on every page of my website. Finally, I am so thankful to my Apple listeners who have given the podcast five-star reviews. Your reviews on all of the channels are extremely helpful in spreading the word about this podcast. Now, back to our episode. If you like our True Crime Reporter podcast, please recommend it to your friends and join our true crime community by signing up through the link in our show notes. Now, back to our story. Prosecutors were determined to send Fawcett to the Texas electric chair known as Old Sparky. Fawcett had confessed to riding around with Palmer and the seaman after he was arrested. He said they got drunk and decided to rob him. Fawcett claimed Palmer was the trigger man and divided $140 taken from the seaman's pocket after the shooting. But Fawcett later repudiated the confession and claimed he signed it out of fear of bodily harm from officers. The judge declared a mistrial when the sheriff disclosed in his testimony that Fawcett had served four months in the Louisiana prison system for auto theft. Then, in a second murder trial, Fawcett got off with a hung jury. After deliberating for 70 hours, the 12-member jury deadlocked. Eleven voted to send Fawcett to the electric chair. A lone juror held out for a 25-year sentence. The judge dismissed the jury and sent them home. In a third and final murder trial, the jury found Fawcett not guilty. Fawcett took the stand in his own defense. Fawcett's mother and other family members testified that he was home at the time of the murder, and a police chief confirmed that Fawcett had stopped by to see him. Nellie Scoville's misidentification in the earlier murder trial clearly influenced the jury's decision to acquit Fawcett. They deliberated less than two hours. Wesley Blackie Fawcett walked out of the Liberty County Courthouse a free man on November 9th of 1938. A year after the trial, his alleged accomplice, Richard A. Palmer, twice convicted of murder, was killed in a pre-dawn mystery stabbing at the Retrieve Prison Farm outside Houston. The lifer was stabbed a half dozen times as inmates lined up to work in the fields. He staggered alone into the prison hospital where he died without saying a word. The knife was never found. The inmates sealed their lips in a code of prison silence. Was the prison hit payback for snitching on Blackie Fawcett? 
Lou Fawcett doesn't know, but believes his uncle got away with the ride murder. He wants to find the victim's final resting place and identify him for the family he never came home to see. Now, you have been out to cemeteries, and you have found in some plots uh, multiple uh, people buried in a grave, and then you found a Civil War casket. Yeah, I was I was shocked at that because I, I had talked to some people that had had graves there exhumed in this particular cemetery, and I won't mention which one it was, but this individual told me, said there was a, they had discovered this one grave I was really concerned about that had already been dug up twice, and then on one of those occasions that uh, they pulled the casket out of the grave, and it was an iron casket, and there was a glass face over this that you could see the body. Well, they accidentally broke the glass. When they did, the air got into it, and the body was dissolved and returned back into dust. So I had to mark that one off my list, but there are still so many more just in that particular one cemetery. So I, I looked for anybody hoping that they might have put the date of the death on a tombstone or a marker or something, but I was able to find his death certificate which didn't have anything, any information on it except that he was killed and how he was killed, and, and you know, that was about it. And you believe your uncle got away with murder. What happened after that with him and his life? Well, in 1957, uh, he had a drinking problem, and he was in a little apartment, a little house, and he woke up, I guess, in the morning, and he, he said, according to witnesses there that, uh, that did hear from him, that uh, something just didn't feel right, and he lit a cigarette, and the house exploded. What had happened was a gas jet by the bed or by the chair had been left on, and when he lit that cigarette, he made it to the door and able to tell the fireman there that uh, it, he tried to light a cigarette and it blew up. If someone has ideas or suggestions, Email us at fan at truecrimereporter.com. That's fan at truecrimereporter. And once again, tell us his last name again and where he was from. Mancuso was from Buenos Aires. The ship from was from Italy. I have no more details about the ship or about the victim. Lou would like your help. Please reach out fan at truecrimereporter.com. If you've got any suggestions, ideas, tips, uh, he's very interested and we'll pursue them. Thank you. We want to be your favorite true crime podcast. So please recommend us to your friends and leave a review wherever you listen. If you want to receive updates and bonus interviews, join our true crime community at truecrimereporter.com. If you have suggestions or know of a case that we should look into, email us at fan at truecrimereporter.com. This podcast is a trademarked and copyrighted news organization based in Dallas, Texas. You can read more about our news team at truecrimereporter.com. Thanks for listening to our Journey into Darkness. Please tell your friends who love true crime that they can bypass secondhand tales and get their true crime fix here with authentic stories straight from the source.
Tell them that True Crime Reporter is one of the few podcasts where you can hear raw, unfiltered accounts from law enforcement victims and even convicted criminals. And sign up for my free newsletter on the homepage of TrueCrimeReporter.com. It's your gateway to a world of knowledge and awareness in the realm of true crime and your personal safety. Thanks for listening, and until we meet again, be prepared, don't get scared. This is Robert Riggs reporting.